Uh, it's kind of funny that their image of a uh, their image of a, a, a judge is a talent show judge. And uh, I'm sorry, Mike. There's some feedback of some sort. See, Marcus did all our sound stuff <laughs> during during the service, and that's why he always had his pad there. So, and I am not technological. So, you know, yeah, it's it's kind of strange that their um, that their image of a judge was was one of a talent show. Where my mind immediately with the judge kind of went to Judge Judy, <laughs> in a way. Uh, I I remember very kind of this strong memory. Uh, visiting my grandparents periodically, and they'd have the television on in the background, and uh, they would make sure they never missed a new Judge Judy. And I can still hear my grandfather saying, you get him, Judy, you get him. And they, they would be excited, and sometimes they would even recognize who was coming on the show as someone was like, oh, she's going to get that guy. She's not going to stand for that at all. So our kind of image of, of the perfect type of judge is someone who's a bit more like Judge Judy, uh, that, that will speak their mind and really let those that deserve to get it, get it. And get it with all the full force of a telling off, at least, if anything more. And that's kind of our image of what a, a good judge would look like. And certainly here in the parable that uh, Jesus says to us today, which depending on whatever translation you work off of, kind of wavers between a few uh, different titles. One is well-known. I think the ESV has it as the persistent widow. Uh, others have it as the unrighteous judge or the unjust judge in some way, choosing on who, who to actually focus the parable on. But in this parable, uh, Jesus, as he's telling this story to them, tells them that this is a God or a judge who does not fear men at all. And does not fear God either. And if anything, we know uh, that we are to fear and love our God, and we're also to love our neighbor as ourselves, which means that we should have some sort of recognition of them. This is Jesus' way of saying about this judge that he is one who is unjust. He is outside of uh, the realms of any sort of morals or ethics or justice in any sort of way. His consideration, if it is not God, and if it is not other men, is whom? Himself. He is more concerned on doing any sort of justice as long as it deals well with his own things. As long as he is dealing with things according to his own way. Not even that by the law. And our best hopes for any sort of judge is that they at least follow the law. So if they stop doing that, we all stop doing that, right? Well, this judge doesn't do any of that, doesn't care to follow God, doesn't care to follow men. What comes before this judge is a widow. Now, what do we know of widows during the time of Jesus? We know that of all people in society, they have no rights. They have absolutely no rights. In fact, slaves at times could be considered higher than widows because the owners of slaves at least needed to make sure that they were healthy to do their work. Widows did not have such a luxury. They were the lowest of the low. 
And if you are coming up to somebody without justice, the widow had nothing uh, on her side except for one thing, nagging persistence. <laughs> nagging persistence. And as Jesus tells this parable in this story, that's exactly what the widow employed. And she kept coming back to the judge over and over again. Can you give me any sort of justice with my adversary? Can you give me anything? When will you execute your justice in any sort of way? In scriptures, there's a point in time towards the end where we hear of a nagging persistence. But this persistence is coming from those that are coming out of our time, the martyrs of our time. And they're underneath the altar and they keep persistence as they say to God, How long, O Lord? This widow takes that same tone. When will justice come from you? When will justice arrive? Give me justice for my adversary. Now we don't know to the fullest why this judge was the way he was. And if you're anything like me, you're going to want to try and take time to play with that because why else would you do with your time? I mean, what, would, what was behind this judge and his injustice? Maybe he was a little bit more like us in terms that he's a little too lazy for justice because justice is something that actually takes time and energy and effort. Justice demands that we actually go out of our way because our natural way of doing work is anything but just. Our natural way of going about anything in this world generally revolves around ourselves. It is certainly easier for us to sit in judgment and do nothing on all kinds of things because it takes the least amount of work. And so maybe this judge is a little bit more like our earthly judges. So maybe the kids were right when they were talking about the talent show judge. Because all they have to do is sit there and say whether what they think is right or wrong. Because that's often how we ourselves are judges in this world. And there's nothing more unjust than that. Because it is easier for us to sit. It is easier for us to not seek justice on anything. We'll just let other people suffer. As long as it means I don't really have to do much. So maybe this judge was a little bit more like ourselves. Or maybe we could fall back to that idea again of what it was the widow uh, and her place in Jewish society. She's someone without rights. And so maybe this judge is one who is of a little bit more uh, prejudice. Looking at those that were lesser. Those that society had already cast off. Those that everybody else thought were not worth any sort of thing and therefore didn't need to be worth anything for him. And so maybe he's a little bit more like us, looking at those who everybody else has already made their decision about. Looking at those who are a little bit different or those who are on the outskirts, those who are on the edges and casting our judgment appropriately in our eyes. So maybe the persistent widow was someone walking into a room where somebody had already cast their unjust judgment. 
whatever way, if we search hard enough, we can see what made this unjust judge who he was. Because we see it around us all the time. We don't only see it in our own lives, but we see it in the judges of this world. We see it in the way we behave with one another. We see it in every time we establish a government and a society, eventually sin catches up with us. And for that reason, we can say that this is a parable in which Jesus once again says, if you look at the way the world does its work, can you imagine the way our Father will do his? Remember the time where Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, even a, a bad father, even a father who is focused on himself, likes to give their kids gifts every now and then. Well, just imagine. Just imagine what a good father is like. Just imagine what a heavenly father is like. And so when we hear this parable of the unjust judge, just imagine what it's like to have a real judge. Just imagine what it's like to come before a judge whose name is justice, who executes his law with love and mercy. Just imagine what it is like to have that judge. I was speaking with somebody not too long ago where they were talking about the judgment of God. And little did they know who they were talking to. Because if they knew they were talking to a pastor, they probably wouldn't have talked this way. <laughs> but they were talking about the judgment of God being one where actually nobody comes under condemnation. That the execution of law was actually only ever grace and that there was no any sort of judgment or justice in the end of time. But heaven was always full and hell was always empty. And maybe this is something that you've heard before and something you've come across because that's basically a Seattle mantra. <laughs> but in reality, that's not a judge of justice. For we know that there are those who do unrighteousness in this world. There are those who sin and sin without any care of fear of God or fear of men. And sometimes the only thing we have to hold on to is the promise that there will be a judgment and a justice at the end of things. Because in that promise is wrapped up also a promise for us. That those who have done unrighteousness, that those who have sinned in this world actually have hope of grace at the end. For when they call upon the name of the Lord, the Lord responds and he hears. Which leads us to the persistent widow. Jesus starts off, and even Luke starts off, by telling us exactly what this parable is about. If only they did that for all of them. But in this one, he tells us right away, this is a parable about praying and never giving up hope. The widow keeps coming back to the judge persistently, naggingly, coming before the judge, when will you give me my justice with my adversaries? 
And never does Jesus say she gives up hope. Never does she say this is a pointless exercise in futility. Never does she make any sort of comment along those lines. But she keeps coming back to the judge. She has to keep coming back to the judge because this is a judge that is unrighteous. This is a judge without justice. But what if you are a widow? What if you are one who has absolutely no right? What if you are one who has nothing to their name, nothing to their property, nothing to anything that this world could consider important? And you come before your judge and he hears you. There's more here than just a lesson of us continually praying to our Lord. But it's also seeing ourselves as the widow. Because you are the widow. In front of the throne of God, we have nothing. In front of the throne of God, we do not come with our wealth of acts and works. Before the throne of God, we only carry those things that the rest of the world sees as failures. Before the throne of God, we are in complete poverty and really without any rights. You are the widow. You are the widow. But you are a widow that has been given promise. You are a widow who may grieve, but you are not going to grieve without hope. Because there's been something said to us about coming before the throne of God. Any of you ask anything in my name, it will be given to you. The apostle writes, with everything of your heart and mind, by prayer and supplication, bring it before the Lord and it will be done. Promise has already been made to us that in front of the judge that we have, we will be given an audience. Not by our merit, not by our name, not even by our widowhood, but by the name of Jesus Christ. By the one who has come to make these promises. By the one who has never left you and the one who will stand in judgment. By the very one who not only died for you, but the one who will say, you are mine. The one who every time you open up your mouth, whether it is in prayer or whether it is speaking to your neighbor or even when it is in anger, is there and hears you and knows you. Because we do not have an unrighteous judge, but rather we have a judge who has given us many promises. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask, of the Father, in my name he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive it, that your joy may be full. We are the persistent widow. But what we come before our God is those things of faith, not the things of the world, not the rights the world have granted, but only by the name of Jesus. And so there he hears us. He hears us in our prayers. He hears us in our cries. And how do we know that this judge will respond? What are the promises that this judge has given you? That he is not like the judges of this world. That he is not like Judge Judy, just anxious and waiting for her turn to speak. 
No. He actually describes himself as patient and in his own time. He's actually a judge who sees all of the injustice that has come our way, all of the temptation that has weighed and made us lay down out of guilt and hardship. And to those, he actually says, come to me. Come to me, you weary and heavy laden. Because we have a judge who gives us rest. We have a judge who gives us peace. He not only asks you to ask of anything, but he bids you to come and bring it to him. He's not a judge who closes his door out of prejudice or out of laziness. He's not a judge of this world, anxious and biting at the chomp to tear us down. But rather one who has sent his own son to be torn down on our behalf. One who makes himself available to all of our needs and our requests. The one who is always, as our psalm sang out earlier, sheltering, keeping, watching, and waiting. And one who bids you to come and to be with him. So my widows of the world, be persistent in your prayer. Because we have a God who hears and responds. We have a God who promises. We have a God who is different from the judges of this world. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.